As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. This beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Go Sam Tampering. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. What do you do, baby? Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention deans anymore. Actually, what I like to put in Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, national writer at The Athletic, here as always with my West Coast brother, Anthony Slater. We are in the same city, and Slater, as much as I love you, I'm going to bounce right over you and bring in our guy, Law Murray, Clippers beat writer. This is an L.A. podcast, guys. We are all in the same city. We're not in the same room, but I can see y'all on my screen, and I certainly saw y'all at the arena the last couple of days. What is going on, gentlemen? Feels good to be on the Tampering Podcast. I feel like I'm tampering right now. <laughs> I think this is visit number two. I love the doubleheader. You're, you mentioned all being in the same arena. You know, I cover an afternoon Warriors Clippers game, and usually, you know, let's say I'm writing for two, two and a half, three hours post game. It's like a deserted arena at midnight around me. Instead, it's like all these Lakers and Pistons writers are walking in. I'm walking out to. First of all, another pregame meal, which ends up being a postgame meal for me. And then Frank Vogel's in there doing pregame. I'm like, man, it's, it's some activity. It's a lot. Usually I'm, I'm depressed at the end of the night. Well, that's a little heavy. We need to work on that. Um. Maybe depressed <laughs> is too strong. Usually I'm just lonely at the end of the night. Right? Empty arenas. You guys know empty arenas uh, late at night are just... Yeah, there's a cool vibe. I mean, I mean, I feel like we, uh, I feel guilty because we don't have James Edwards on the show because he's been in town as well. Our Pistons beat writer, a lot of athletic presence in LA, but the, the Staples Center experience, you know, it's not crypto until Christmas Day, but it is something wild to watch because, you know, AEG obviously owns it and the, the activity and the action that runs through that building 
is insane. You know, and on these double header days, you know, to see the turnover is pretty wild. And then like on Saturday, they had an LA Kings hockey game. Um, they had some sort of truck slash car convention that I'm literally right now looking out my window and seeing like the remnants of, um, they, they know how to put on a show in this place. And to your points later on the basketball side, there was just a lot going on. Right. So, you know, we on the show today are going to certainly talk Clippers cause we got law in here. And I think below the radar, they are, uh, not only a good team, but a fascinating team and one that we're going to be talking about more and more later in the year. I just think we've forgotten that, that Kawhi Leonard might come back and that's going to be a very big deal if that's, you know, in fact, what happens. But we also got an interesting week, Slater, where the Warriors and the Phoenix Suns have a pretty cool, you know, set of games that is going to tell us a lot about the two best teams in the NBA right now. Um, let's go down that road because you and I, Sat there watching the Warriors, uh, you know, make pretty quick work of the Clippers. It was a, a close game, nip and tuck till the second half. But like I wrote today, and having not been around the Warriors a ton to this point in the season, you know, a little bit like the 30,000 foot view was it's just the Warriors show is back. And, and I didn't really realize that. I knew they were winning ball games at an incredibly high clip. But when you go on the road with this team and during their five year run, I traveled with them a ton. Like there is nothing like the crowds they bring and, you know, what Steph Curry inspires with the way he plays and the vibe. And there was part of me that I think I thought it was gone forever. And I'm looking around Staples yesterday going, damn, like we're doing this again. You know, Steph is playing with the crowd and just everything that comes with the Warriors is it seems like it's back. But uh, what do you think there? Yeah, no, um, it started on the recent road trip because they've had a weird start to the season where it was Staples Center opening night against the Lakers. And that wasn't any type of like, you know, warrior show. It was more just like, you know, they were debuting the Westbrook Lakers and it was TNT was here. That just felt like a big NBA game in general, not a Warriors game. Um, and then they, they played in Sacramento and OKC. Uh, early on and then they had an eight game homestand and that's when they built all the momentum and then they went on that four game road trip out east and it started in charlotte where it was just steph curry fans and jerseys and davidson it was just like steph stuff everywhere but you're like you know this is charlotte that's kind of normal it's his hometown uh and then they went to brooklyn and they pounded the nets and warriors fans took over barclays and were chanting mvp for curry at the free throw line uh, they stayed after the game and, and while he's doing the tnt sideline interview after the game they're chanting mvp as he's going off the court and you're like well this is weird like this does feel vintage warriors they're taking over barclays uh and then they went to cleveland and they have his History in Cleveland, and it was just like all the Cavs fans cared about pregame was like raucous booze on him and Draymond Green, and it felt like the villains of old, right? You're like, okay, yeah, this is kind of uh, vintage in that sense, too, because of the history they have with Cleveland. Uh, and then they went to Detroit, and Steph Curry and Draymond Green didn't play, and all the Detroit fans were like up in arms that they didn't play. They're like, the one time a year we don't get, we get to see this show. And then you know, you're in the arena and there's still all these Steph people and they're just looking for a look at, uh, a look at Steph. And then he comes out in the first quarter to just walk to the bench and the entire arena explodes in applause and everyone's taking videos of him walking to the bench in a warm up and just sat down and like they were cheering that. And it was like, man, so to your point, it has felt like that recently. And I think, you know, Law, you could maybe speak to this too because this was your first road Warriors game of the year. Uh, it was back in Staples yesterday. I mean, that was like a pro Warriors crowd. 
Yeah, man. It, this uh, Sunday game was a matinee, you know, 1230. We've had a few of them in Staples the last week or so. It was the third and eight days for the Clippers. And so you saw what the crowd was like for the Pistons. You saw what the crowd was like uh, the week before for the Mavericks, which uh, Luka could have played but didn't play. But it was different. It was different right away. And like even the game operations, you know, they take they do the Undertaker theme song when the Warriors starting lineup is announced. Like you just knew it felt different if you were just in a bunker somewhere and didn't realize what time it was. It didn't feel like a 1230 game in a lot of ways. So the energy was there. Uh, the Clippers, they always they, they always bring some kind of crowd. And you never quite know who they're cheering for. Like we had some Sundays where the Ball brothers were in Staples consecutive Sundays. You had uh, the Hornets and LaMelo first. And then the week after the Bulls came with Lonzo and a bunch of people from Chino Hills came out and let it be known that they were there for the Ball brothers. But then the Clippers took over uh, Warriors games, even going back to the you know, Blob City era, they always take staples that are over for Clippers games. And that was the case Sunday as well. Law, two, uh, two qu- follow-up thoughts real quick. What's funny is you, you just connected dots on my own psyche. And what I mean by that is yesterday, Slater and I did his All-82 Warriors pod, and I pulled out this random Undertaker reference in talking about Isaiah Hardenstein and the way that he was like kind of carrying himself on the court. I'm not even a big WWE guy. I'm, I'm no Jason Jones. We all know he loves his WWE, but I didn't even know that they played the Undertaker theme. So clearly in the recesses of my brain, you know, maybe that's how that came to be. Um, the, the other thing here is that the, um, you guys, um, watch succession. <laughs> You're just rolling through. Yes. I've never seen it. Well, anyone, any listener that does, when the Warriors were announced at Cleveland, they played the succession, like that piano thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that seemed to get the crowd going. And that <laughs> led to the big boos for Dre. Draymond Green gets just rained down boos right. in Cleveland. It is, it's impressive. Anyway, sorry. No, you're Same, good. I was trying to, uh, you're trying to clean up you. my brain fart. Yeah. No, here's, because I, I do this every once in a while on the pod, quick historical, uh, or I guess context uh, that we need to tease for later in the pod. Part of the reason the Phoenix and Suns are out front with, Nobody around them uh, is that you got so many squads missing star players, right? So we knew about Kawhi and the Clippers. We're going to talk a little later in the pod about Denver because this Michael Porter Jr. news is is obviously not a good thing. And they were already down Jamal Murray. Uh, Mike Singer, the Denver Post, had broken the story that Porter's going to have some kind of surgery this this week, tentative scheduling. But, you know, in the absence of all these teams that were supposed to be elite, you know, the Warriors keep forging ahead. And doing their thing. So let's, let's kind of keep it there for a minute. But Slater, um, these Suns matchups, you know, you couldn't kind of script it any better. The record is only one game different. You, you know, each team gets a, a game on its home floor. Uh, I think it's going to be a ton of fun. I mean, what, if any meaning could there possibly be this early in the season with this matchup? Well, I mean, I think we're all getting the, the sense that this might be. West finals. Um, and if it is a West finals, you start to look at like, what are the soft spots for each in the matchup? Uh, and you know, I'll probably write about this today, but I want to see Deandre Ayton against non-center warriors lineups against Draymond green where, um, Draymond green lives like kind of trying to punk opposing bigs at times and like, sure. Try to post me up essentially. Um, and Deandre Ayton, law knows this. I mean, he was great against small ball in the playoffs, right? I mean, he was great in that Clipper series and that was a concern because what Gobert didn't do 
Aiton kind of was able to do. But the Warriors' small ball, because of Draymond Green, is just like a different level when they're at their most octane. So I just want to see those minutes on one side, on the other side. You know, the Warriors can be vulnerable. Last year, they were one of the worst rebounding teams in the league. It's kind of been an undertold part of this early season. They've survived defensively. They're a top 10 rebounding team, top 10 defensive rebounding team, despite no bigs, really. I mean, Kavon Looney's their starting center. He's six foot nine and he can't jump. Um, and yet they just like team rebound really well. So, you know, like the, the softness inside. Then you have uh, Chris Paul against Seth Curry in the Warriors. As, as we all know, that that has its long history dating back to those uh, Clippers, you know, Lob City matchups. Um, and then, you know, the rise of Devin Booker in this realm. Like, can he take over one of these games? Uh, there's a lot to get to, I think, in the matchup. I don't know what interests you guys. What interests me, man, is you mentioned Aiton and, and, and that lineup against how Golden State uh, can just really destroy centers. And with all the success the Suns have had so far this season, they've played 284 minutes with their nominal starting lineup, right? Paul Booker, Bridges, Crowder, and Aiton. They're still getting outscored for the season with that starting five, you know? So... In in the Suns' case, they've been really successful when they bring JaVale in because only 67 minutes with that with those other four guys, they're outscoring teams by 33 points on the season. That seems noisy, but again, it's no late November, so it's not exactly small sample size. Like The Suns have upgraded that position, and you just wonder how that is going to play out against a Golden State team that – you know what they're going to do offensively. They're going to run. They're going to cut. They're going to pass. And they're going to find their shooters. And that's not even the best part of their team. Like the best part of the Golden State team for me is how they defend, how they just wait for you to make the mistake so that they can unleash the machine. So we're, you know, I, I want to see how the Suns deal with with that, being that the Suns are really big on controlling the pace, controlling every possession. The Warriors just speed you up, and that's that's what makes this matchup fascinating. Yeah, the Javel thing is is kind of wild, man. I mean, just this guy to go from you know the Shaft in a Fool days to to now being a I mean, how many rings he got at this point? We got three, right? Three, yeah, three yeah, rings with the Warriors. Eight, three, the Lakers ring, yeah. and two Golden State and rings. two Golden State rings, and then you know and gold medal, gold medal, and a gold medal. Um, and you're talking about somebody who. Who, you know, I love the backstory on the Suns where Chris Paul talks to him when, when JaVale's with Denver and essentially just loved the way that he was competing when they matched up and, and then talks about joining up. And then you fast forward to this preseason and you got the DeAndre Ayton situation with his contract. And he obviously wasn't happy with not getting the max, not sure how things are going to go. Ayton ends up having that knee issue. And, and JaVale saves the day for what? Eight, nine games where, you know, part of this winning streak that, that is obviously at 16 games now. I mean, he's been a, a huge highlight. Um, the, the thing about the matchup that also jumps out is that, you know, one, two in record, but man, Slater, I know, you know, you're always quick to kind of mention the Warriors now like relatively soft schedule. And I get that part, but as far as how much they've been beating up on teams, it's, it's wild that the net rating, between the Warriors and Suns, I mean, you got a massive gap between the two. It's 13.6 best in the league for the Warriors and, uh, and 7.1 third in the league for, uh, for the Suns. I mean, they're almost doubling them on that front. The, uh, 
the Warriors have won 10 straight home games by double digits. I mean, they're just blowing everybody out. I think, you know, something like, you know, 14 or, or so of their 18 wins are by double digits. And then their two losses are one in overtime. And the other one was like a, you know, two, three point loss in Charlotte. So they just had, I mean, every game they're either absolutely blowing you out or, um, you know, the rare time they lost, they barely lost. So that equals this absurd net rating. But again, I mean, sometimes that can be, uh, noisy, you know, as Law kind of said earlier. Uh, I they they've been playing tougher games lately, though. I thought it was a really good win. I thought they were going to lose in L.A. on an afternoon, and they came out with energy. Um, you know, the the win they had in Brooklyn, they've had a, some of these signature wins recently. Just as Phoenix just went into Brooklyn on the second side of a back to back, and won that. The Javale thing, it, you know, because he was non guaranteed before he got to the Warriors. Remember that? I mean, I think he had stress fractures in his leg in Dallas. He Carlisle didn't seem to to like him and like he couldn't get it uh anybody to give him a guaranteed deal. Then he came to the Warriors. They unlocked him as this just lob threat around four Hall of Famers. It, you know, they had this lineup that they threw out there that was, you know, Curry, Clay, Durant, Draymond, JaVale. Imagine if you're JaVale in that lineup. Um and I think he dunked something like 230 times in two seasons with them. And got, I think, like, you know, maybe like a six, seven million dollar per year deal with the Lakers. Um, and, you know, everything's gone well from there. What's interesting to me, though, is J- JaVale is perfect with like the Chris Paul pairing, right? I'm sure you know, half his points are probably lobs from Chris Paul. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of the Chris Paul Capella lob uh, threat that the Warriors had to solve in those Rockets series where, where Draymond kind of tries to play that cat and mouse game. Um, so as we talk about this matchup, I just Draymond trying to shut down those lobs to Aiton and to JaVale, uh, you know, in the pick and roll. It's a lot of high ball screen stuff will be uh, good to watch. The Suns get the uh, tough little twist on the schedule. I mean, the Warriors are, are playing them Tuesday and then getting two off days and then, you know, hosting them on Friday. The, uh, the Suns have the Pistons in between. Pistons are obviously making their way through the West. But, you know, the other setup here that is, you know, worth reminding folks of is Suns are coming off, you know, beating Brooklyn, which is not, you know, they're not the world beaters we thought they'd be, but they're still pretty damn good. Obviously, no Kyrie. James Harden's still struggling. And they're winning games, but, you know, they uh, they beat Brooklyn 113-107 uh, just a few days back. So the legitimacy factor for me on the Phoenix side is there. Um, extremely impressive for them to also continue to compartmentalize the Robert Sarver situation or seemingly that's what they're doing. You know, they, they haven't said a ton publicly, uh, in terms of that situation where the investigation continues on their owner, who obviously was, was accused of some pretty terrible things. Um, I talked to Chris Paul briefly right after that story broke when they rolled through Sacramento. And admittedly, I went into this shoot around, like if Chris felt like, you know, opening up big time about, you know, his thoughts and views and perspective on the matter, then, you know, being a a media member who that does this for a living, like we would have that talk. And he just shook his head. He's like, nah, we're hooping. Like, that's it. You know, they're, they're just kind of clocking in, clocking out and, and obviously, you know, not letting that distract him. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep. 
You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Should we talk Porter just because of the impact? I mean, as we talk about the West and the different layers of the West, and we'll get to the Clippers who, are, you know, particularly if Kawhi comes back, I think recharge right into the conversation Denver does Denver just fall off at this point I mean they had they still have a rehabbing Jamal Murray and then De- Michael Porter's out for the year yes I think they fall off I mean the the Jamal thing there's you know they've been real close to the vest about his timeline if there even is one um he feels like a next season guy for me maybe I'm wrong um but they they have been through it already and giving Porter that contract you know and and no way of really knowing this, but I felt like if there was any hesitation to do it before the Jamal injury to me, you know, just made him such a priority because they not only needed him for the long term, they needed him to take another jump this year. And it was kind of a way of making sure he felt the love, making sure he felt supported. And I get all that, but now, and it's easy to Monday morning quarterback. Um, so that that's my disclaimer, but it's obviously, it's a tough, thing to look at right now. Um, first and foremost, you hope Michael can get on the floor eventually and, and do his thing, you know, healthy and do his thing for a long, long time. But we knew when he came into the draft that he had big, big time issues on the back and and the medicals on him, you know, are the type of thing that executives still talk about to this day. And he'd gotten through it, had a very good year last year, but man, uh, that's just rough. I mean, you give him you know, that kind of money. And then a few weeks later, he's on the shelf. Uh, it puts them in a, a really bad spot, not only this year, but obviously just the, the way they're building that thing out there. Yeah. Uh, one of the teams, obviously, that will always get brought up for passing on Michael Porter Jr. is the Clippers. You know, they had the two lottery picks. One of them, they uh, swapped with Charlotte and got Shea, who obviously you saw swap uh, with Shea and several, basically their future for Paul George. And then they use the other one, Jerome Robinson. They shouldn't have picked Jerome, but now you understand why they didn't pick Michael. Um, And it's really unfortunate. You saw Michael already lost one year, his rookie year, to the back issue. Um, Played played great and emerged, got his money. but And now you got a situation where Michael's not the only uh, wing that the Denver Nuggets lost to a season-ending injury. P.J. Dozier, who right. Michael Malone loves uh, and was like, look, P.J. can make whatever mistakes he needs to make. Like, he needs to, like, that's what Michael Malone said in preseason when he visited L.A. He he professed how much he trusted Dozier and wanted him to be a big part of what they were doing this year, and he tears his ACL. So, that's on top of Jamal Murray. That's on top of Nikola Jokic. You didn't miss any time last year, which is a big part of why he was the MVP. Now he's dealing with this uh, sprained wrist issue. And this stuff snowballs. Uh, and you just, it, it, it's rough. Uh, there are some teams that that deal with it. They get the bad cards. And hopefully, uh, you know, Nikola's going to be there. And he's still a problem. And they can still find ways to scratch out wins. And the West isn't that deep and not that good, uh, to be honest with you. So, um, I, I don't want to disqualify them from contention just yet. As long as Nikola Jokic is playing, they have the chance to win every game, every other game or so. And I think that's just kind of what you have to look out for. See how they adjust with what's really bound to be a new kind of team than the one that they thought they were having when the season started. 
Yeah, I think that they, they might have missed their window. I think that's like them, like title window, right? They were the West finalists in the bubble, uh, and actually played the Lakers pretty good in that series. If Davis doesn't hit that that game winner, I mean, it's it's possible they get to that bubble finals. Uh, and then even last year, remember when they made the Aaron Gordon trade, and it was like you know pushing the chips all in. Porter was emerging, and that lineup Murray clicked and, right and away. Yeah, yeah, it, it like there were. I know there's plenty of national people out there that have said like in retrospect, like they were about, you know, like they were considering Denver the West favorite essentially before Murray goes down. Murray went down right before the playoffs. It was in San Francisco, actually. I was at the game, uh, and that you know changed a lot of things for them. And by the time Murray gets back, you wonder if Porter will ever be back. Um, and even when Porter was playing this season, you could see the he was like kind of gingerly moving. And then remember that he on the play, I think it's his last play we've seen him. He kind of like missed a dunk in transition because he couldn't get up on it, and then he kind of limped to the locker room. And backs are such tricky things, especially. For a guy who wants to be a shooter, right? Uh, you know, you you got to be like aligned to 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 be like a forty five percent three point shooter. Uh, and you know, they went all in. I think they're trying to generate momentum around that city, around that fan base that has been a little bit dull in recent years. I mean, they, half the fan base can't even watch the team on, on local TV, and More than that. it's just it's tough. Yeah, it's tough timing for them because it seemed like they had, you know. Uh, maybe a, a run of five, six, seven years of contention that now you're wondering, do they even get back to contention? Yeah. I mean, I, I just peeked at the ages to remind myself, you know, the, the timeline question that you're bringing up later. I mean, Jokic is 26, you know, you're talking about Jamal's still 24, um, you know, Gordon's 26. So I think the more pressing thing is you got an MVP that is going to be looking around and as much as he has done nothing but talk about, you know, how he's enjoyed Denver and it's been a good fit and, and things of that nature. Like if you're him and I got to cheat here and see how many years he got left on his deal. But the question then becomes, you know, holding on to Jokic. And and if he doesn't look around and, you know, and think that, that the, uh, the context around him is championship caliber, you know, does he look elsewhere when, uh, when his next deal comes up in 2023, we're only two years away here uh, from unrestricted free agency. So I think that would Sam, there's going to be some mad people that you brought that up. This is true, man. I mean, it, it it's is. also so unfortunate. Um, but I hate the fact that like you look out in Philly and you got Joel Embiid's prime, you know, partly getting wasted, you know, largely because of the Ben Simmons situation. I just hate seeing guys like this that, you know, aren't put in, the best position possible to make the most of their talents. And the Nuggets have done everything they can uh, and, and maybe even too much, like we're kind of chronicling here. So that's unfortunate. And then to bring it back to Porter, it's just, you know, I, I was around the Nuggets a little bit in training camp in San Diego for a couple of days. And it's just, it's crazy to think back on the mood at that time. So Porter, you know, like I was there the day that he addressed the media to talk about his extension and he was emotional. He was, uh, he was appreciative. He was thankful. He was kind of humbled. And he talked a lot about how his first year, they went to San Diego, same spot to do training camp. And like you said, Law, like he, he wasn't even playing. He was at camp, you know, and might as well have just bought a ticket and, and watch these other dudes play ball. So to go from that to then seemingly, you know, getting rewarded for a good year and being on his way. And then lo and behold, this happens a little bit after is, is extremely unfortunate. Yeah, you guys brought up Nikola's uh, contract, and I'm not going to say a whole lot about it, but uh, dude is ex- he's eligible for a crazy extension summer 2022. And 
now you're kind of playing out the string this year and you're just hoping, uh, you know, the, the expectations have obviously been depressed significantly for Denver, but I, you just wonder, obviously Giannis, he, uh, he, he took the bag, um, before last season and they obviously went and had the ultimate, uh, pinnacle winning the championship off of that. Um, you just wonder, uh, it, like those whispers, if they're whispers right now, they're going to go louder. Like it ain't going to be because y'all brought it up on this pod here. Like it's reality. Like <laughs> so, we don't we don't need to feel guilty, Law. Yeah. No, like he, the bag the bag is there, and Jokic can either sign it in 2022 or he can say, "I'm away," and we're going to see how uncomfortable it gets a year from now. That's that's the reality of it. Like. You either get your money when you can get it, or you can be a in a thirty-two million dollar contract year. That's it. That's that's the only things that'll happen. And as of now, everywhere he turns, there is uncertainty. And none of this is obviously personal. He loves Jamal Murray. Those dudes are tight. You know what I mean? But he's gotta wait and see how does Jamal look when he comes back. You know, he looks at at Porter, a guy that he's helped bring up and have been a, a mentor to. You know, but what's his future? And that's where it comes with the territory when you're elite. You know, if, if you're going to have options. And, uh, and so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I mean, tough times in Denver. That is the undercurrent here too is it's just, you know, it is a, a bit of a bummer for this season. It's just, man, like all these what ifs all over the league, you know, all these teams that could have been this, could have been that. And, uh, and, and a lot of dudes on the shelf, mostly for health reasons, some for, you know, vaccine reasons, things of that nature. But, uh, but, you know, anyway, yeah, a lot of, a lot of tough stuff. Well, Sam, that's also why the schedule is one where if you're the Suns and the Warriors, you take these wins and you don't apologize for them because it could happen to you. You know, uh, I, I, I think Steve Kerr was mentioning yesterday before the game in LA, like that you're going to hit a rough spot at some point. You're going to get injuries. You're going to get guys who play poorly. You're going to get just something weird that happens. Like, I don't know, a global pandemic sweeping the nation. You know, we've already seen that. Hopefully that's, I'm not trying to foretell uh, anything. Uh, yeah. You know, like a this new is variant. just what happens. Yeah. Yep. This is, it just, does. this is just the nature of the NBA schedule. And if you get these wins, they, they do matter. They really matter if you stack them up because if nothing else, they give you some cushion for when the, when the tide starts rolling back the other way. Well, I'll give you an example of that. Last season, the Warriors were, they just sat at 500 for so much of the season. And then Steph Curry falls in Houston on, you know, it was when there was no fans and the benches were very spread out. He shoots a three at the end of the third quarter, backpedals towards the bench, but the bench is so spread out. He trips and he hits his tailbone on a stair um, and, you know, cracks his tailbone and missed, I think, about eight games. Uh, and, you know, the Warriors overall went two and seven in his nine missed games last year. And that put him in the play in. They were in the play and they lose the play and they don't make the playoffs. Um, this season, let's say Steph Curry has to miss nine games coming up in two weeks. They could survive that. Um, even if they went four and five, three and six over those nine games, it's something like, you know, add three and six to their record right now. They're still 21 and eight. And that's what happens when you just pile up wins. Um, so it's, it, it is important. Well, since um, you're doing the we, fun with numbers later, I'll, I'll repeat what I wrote in, in my column today just to, to almost troll the fans who, who get tired of the, 
positive Warriors talk from yesteryear. They are currently still on pace to win 73 games. Just, you know, throwing that out there. <laughs> they don't they don't want that. They don't, you know, they don't want that attention. All right, let's pivot here um, because, Law, that was a good segue there where, you know, you talk about, like, take the wins where you can get them and, and, and the, the idea that so many teams are down. Um, your Clippers are are interesting. You know, they, they get off to that one and four start. Um, you know, right now, 11 and nine, and we're recording on Monday. They, they got a game against New Orleans tonight. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but they're a good squad. And, and you wrote today about the defense. I mean, and, and the idea that their turnovers in that game against the Warriors, you know, were spoiling the defense. We were sitting there watching the game and kind of laughing every couple of quarters about how, like, you peek at the box score and it's like, Oh, look at that. They still have more turnovers than field goals. And for most of the game, that was the case. Not a good calculus, but, um, you know, overall Clippers observations to this point, what are you getting out of this group? Well, they are compensating for the fact that they don't have one of the very best offensive players in the world and Kawhi being healthy, you know, Kawhi makes everything easier on that end of the floor. And we're seeing it. They, they went from the number two offense last year to through most of November, they're the 25th ranked offense that is a steep drop off when almost the entire team is back you know uh but the defense has been arguably the best in franchise history and it's the discipline that you're not seeing offensively right now you're seeing all of it defensively they don't foul they are assignment sound even when they have these turnovers, they they have done a, a, gr- a relatively good job of running back and trying to save buckets. Uh, one of those buckets were saved is what set Steph Curry off when he was sprawling into the baseline and just jumped up and just exploded into the referee. So, like, you're seeing a team that is well coached. And while it's not having the results uh, when they have the ball, they're doing a really good job of understanding what they're supposed to do uh, defensively to give them a chance, not just to win games, but just to come back in games. Like when they're down 20, it's like, oh, we can come back. And it ain't because of the offense. They bring a bunch of guys in, Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard. Isaiah Hartenstein, and they're just like, we're going to raise the energy. We're going to make it hell for you to try and get your shots. And all of a sudden, 20-point deficit becomes 10-point deficit. Bad teams, they wind up winning those games. So uh, they have a long way to go. But this is a Clippers team that if they can clean up the offense, um, then they're going to be in great shape when the schedule gets really hellish after Christmas. So I watched them last couple of days. I haven't written about them, and I, I I want to and need to at some point. But things that, that have crossed my mind. For one, Ty Lue can coach, man. Like, you you just see the impact that he has. And and I admittedly, I keep thinking about it in naturally in the context of the Lakers. Because you're here in L.A., and I'm watching both teams. And then, you know, I'm writing the other day about Frank Vogel potentially being in trouble if the Lakers don't figure this stuff out. And and naturally, you think back to the way they got to Frank Vogel and the whole idea that, you know, this was Ty Lue's job if if he wanted it. But to his credit, Ty, you know, he put his foot down in the negotiations and was like, I'm a championship coach and I want a championship contract, you know, level contract. And they didn't get a deal done. The Clippers got themselves a very good coach. The idea that they got this kind of a defense without a former defensive player of the year is incredible. And then you see, I know the, the word is overused, but you do see the, the culture that he has built with his guys. They, they, they are on a string defensively. 
They compete with the same type of ethos. Hardenstein is a crack up. Like he's fun to watch. He's a bit of an enforcer. You know, seems to be a difference maker for him. Um, you just see his imprint and then you start thinking. And again, uh, you know, as I was having a chance to at least bend a few years down here and get a, a little bit of a sense on the Kawhi front of what people are thinking, it's like, damn, okay. So he very well may come back and even had somebody put it to me this way. Like it behooves the rest of them to win as many games as possible without him, because naturally you incentivize him to like whatever level of sacrifice you know, there might be with him coming back, not necessarily early, but just pushing it. We all know Kawhi does not like to push anything on the health front. Um, you know, that if they fall off, he's not going to be incentivized. But if they can be in the mix and then have that idea of adding him to be almost an instant title contender again, then maybe he'd be game for that. I mean, that that potentially is a, is a pretty dangerous formula. Right. And that's why all these games matter. Are they destined for another four or five series with Dallas? I just feel like they're going to play a four, first round series with Dallas. Um, I'm looking right now at the West. You know, you mentioned in the mix. I, I think they're in the argument for fourth best team in the conference. I think, you know, as our John Hollinger wrote today, it is Warrior Suns up top. Um, but Utah is to me a clear third, probably closer to one two than than the mix below. Utah actually has a better point differential than Phoenix right now. They just blow teams out. They have the top offense in the league. Um, but then beyond beyond those top three, who do you think is the fourth best team in the West? I mean, to me, it probably is between the Clippers and Mavericks right now because we're. I don't think any of us are ready to just say the Lakers until they really figure stuff out. Portland has the 28th ranked defense. I saw them in San Francisco the other day. They can't defend anything. Um, Minnesota is 10 and 10. Um, nice story. Not in the mix for fourth best team in the conference. Memphis and Denver sitting at the bottom. We already talked about Denver's problems. Like Loss said it earlier, the West really isn't that good. So um, I, I, I might even say the Clippers are the fourth best team in the conference. And if you can say that, they will be in the mix, and then maybe maybe you get the Kawhi carrot at the end of the tunnel, and, and they're a contender. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to think about the playoffs right now with this team, and mainly because of the offense. I mean, they already have more five. They, they already have more 20 turnover games this season than all of last year. They, they already have more games where they have more turnovers and assists in a game this year than all of last year. Um, they they already have more games where they failed to have 100 points per 100 possessions in a game than all of last year. So the offense is in a really bad place. And the thing is, they're supposed to be guys back. Uh, they just got Marcus Morris back. They got Scott Serge Ibaka back. They'll get Nicholas Batum back when he's out of health and safety protocols. But they're in a race for integrating these guys to do what they're supposed to do offensively before – things get difficult. And I'm not talking about their opponents. I mean, I don't think they're tripping about any team they're facing because of the defense, but they're giving bad teams like the Pelicans, who they've already lost to this year, chances to win games that they need simply because they don't have it together on a on a quarter-to-quarter basis with the ball. Like Paul George, he's having a great season, an admirable season. He's played every game, heavy minutes, heavy usage percentage, but Paul is starting to struggle with efficiency on all fronts, shooting, finishing, taking care of the basketball. Uh, Ty's got to help him. His teammates have to help him. And it can't just be all the kumbaya stuff. You can get a bunch of guys who love each other, get along great, wear the clip gang or don't bang hoodies, and you can be a 500 <laughs> team. It's not going to matter. Like They got to be better. 
no doubt. But every, I mean, everyone beyond those top three in the West is basically feels like a 500 team at this point. The Mavs are the four seed and they have a negative point differential right now. Yeah, I feel like the Mavs should have a better record. I mean, that's a team that, you know, Porzingis is playing better than he has in the past. Uh, that doesn't add up. I mean, I'd be tempted to pick them as, as your fourth best team. The Lakers are like in a class all their own as far as I don't even know what to think of them. But um, the Paul George stuff you hit on law is, is I think maybe worth diving a little bit deeper on. You know, I looked at the minutes. It's 35.6. Just it's the most in the last three years since he was in OKC. Nothing crazy, but, you know, about two minutes more. Then last season, you know, he's 31 now. The usage side, you know, you, you can, like you said, on the offense, you can see where individually, sure, he's, he's an all-star caliber, but as a, you know, collectively, it's, it's not working. Um, how concerning do you think that is considering it does feel like that the strain put on him just 20 games in is already pretty significant? Yeah. I'm, I'm concerned. Uh, I'm concerned just because. It's not going to get easier. They're in the middle of a five and seven right now. And it's not even the first five and seven that they've had. And it's not the craziest. Um, the five and seven that they have directly after Christmas is treacherous. They get the Nuggets and then the second night of back to back arrested Nets team that will play on Christmas. Then they go to the Eastern Conference and play their first road games in, over there in Boston. They go to Toronto for New Year's Eve. And then they get out of customs the next day on New Year's Day to play the Nets team, who again will be at a rest advantage. You know, uh, they got a two week Grammy trip, um, that'll take them out of LA for the last two weeks of January. We're not even there yet. And Paul is already like, you know, flagging a bit. And so Paul does a lot to get himself ready for these games. He does a lot. Like we, we didn't get him until two hours after the Warriors game ended Sunday because he has a very detailed post-game routine and you understand why this guy's played hurt through multiple playoff series. He's had the dull shoulder injuries. He People act like he didn't, you know, have an open fracture of his leg just seven years ago and the kind of player he's come back to be. Uh, I mean, Paul George has been incredible as far as his durability and just sustainability this season, but you just can't take that for granted. You know, he hasn't missed time. Reggie Jackson hasn't missed time. Eric Bledsoe hasn't missed time. Uh, the Clippers, they, they have a strained roster situation because Kawhi is out. And, uh, you know, Paul, he's done great as far as actually taking the leadership mantle on and off the floor, on and off the ball. But you just wonder, like, okay, when when's it going to come time where he's going to have to miss games and what does this team look like when he does? It would certainly help if his good friend Reggie Jackson would stop having games like he did against the Warriors. And, and I'm looking at his game log here. I mean, he, he gives him an Easter egg yesterday, 0 for 5 from the field, just played 21 minutes. You know, you go back four games before that against New Orleans and the loss that you mentioned, he's 2 for 11, four points. You know, and inconsistency has always kind of been part of the Reggie Jackson experience. So it's like on the one hand, he's getting – you know, we, I mean, he knew when he re-signed that Kawhi being out was going to mean opportunity for him. But, you know, overall, you're coming in at 39.8% from the field, 33 uh, from beyond the arc, and he's and he's putting up almost nine a game. So the efficiency uh, is a problem there with Reggie as Paul just kind of looks around for help. Yeah, and the thing is, when Reggie's really good, the Clippers are rarely – they're rarely bad, like – you know, Reggie being good means the Clippers are good. And what's going to have to help Reggie and Paul is Marcus. Marcus, 
Morris took an extra month to get ready for the season, just like the year before. Uh, last season, Marcus didn't play basically the first three weeks. And that's how Nicholas Batum went from, you know, bargain basement pickup to a guy who was going to wind up leading the Clippers in total minutes last season. Even with Paul and Kawhi on the roster, Nicholas Batum led the Clippers in total minutes. They've never had Nicholas Batum out for a week like they just are experiencing now with him in health and safety protocols. Now that Marcus is back, it's time for him to play like a guy who signed that four-year $64 million contract and take shots away from Paul and Reggie, be that guy who can be a mid post mismatch guy who hits threes guy who really elevates the offense in a way that you know is not mistake prone uh, Marcus's game is not heavy turnover because Marcus generally is like I'm not passing it <laughs> so they need that kind of guy um, that'll help Reggie and Paul's efficiency significantly but that's the opportunity here in the next three weeks the Clippers are either going to be peaking because all these guys are getting back into the flow of how they were supposed to be playing when training camp broke or we're going to have some bad, uncomfortable conversations come holiday season. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Slater, I think we should uh, end on a Warriors note. Um, I just was browsing the old web as, as we were chatting here and getting reminded that uh, as you and Sham Sharani have reported yesterday, Clay Thompson is headed to the G League, the latest step in his progression. And, and this obviously, you know, fits into the, the conversation we just had a few minutes ago about the Warriors. The idea that they're sitting here at 18 and two, top of the league, crazy net rating, crazy defense, crazy offense, and they're adding Clay Thompson to the mix. Now, so last night, Law Slater and I may have had a few adult beverages here at LA and we're hanging out talking about the, you know, the team that he covers. And we had a good debate. Um, our guy, Dan Wicke from the LA Times was with us and, and the debate was about Clay and the question of what version of Clay is coming back. 
Slater and I were like immediately on the same page and, and me only because I listened to him and he knows more than I do about Clay and the Warriors, where he was just like, you know, people don't get it. Like the, the chatter on Clay is that Clay is Clay. And it's not, I'm not trying to build up expectations and say he's going to be an all-star right out the gate because, you know, you look at it, you say two years not on the basketball court. There's just, you're waving red flags like crazy. Um, but based on what Warriors people have been seeing and saying, you know, it seems like potentially a very good version of Clay Thompson is coming back around Christmas. And that is, is just not fair uh, to the rest of the league. It's incredibly fair to Clay, who deserves to play ball again. So what do you think there? Well, Anthony, you got Clay starting, right? Yeah, he's oh yeah, for sure. You you don't think they want that moment from Washington State at the uh, starting line? Yeah, no, Jordan Poole will go to the bench. Um, but yeah, he know the the buzz is good. Can he wear the headband? Can we get the semi pro version of Clay? Sounds like for he, real. I mean, he, he was, looks like he's he leaned into it. The day. <laughs> it was he seemed to be indicating the other day that that's going to be the look. Yes. We'll see. Um, but he. He tires quickly in these scrimmages, but the people who watch the scrimmages are like, you know, early on in these scrimmages when he's coming off pin downs, he's, you know, he's hitting three threes in a 75 second, you know, span and uh, moving like Clay Thompson, particularly off the ball. And he's physical on the perimeter defensively still and, and laterally, you know, is he prime Clay Thompson laterally, which has made him such a good perimeter defender? No. And I'm not sure he'll ever be you know, all defensive second team type Clay Thompson. Uh, but, you know, I've asked a couple of people like, you know, when he comes back, do you view him as a plus defender adding to the league's best defense? And they're like, yeah, like he's not going to get blown by. He's uh, very prideful on that end and he's going to work really hard on that end because he always has. And that, I mean, you guys know that's such a big part of defense. Like, do you care about defense? Um, do you know schemes and are you physical? Uh, and he is. And so they, I mean, even if it's 18 minutes to start, which which sounds like the number that it will be as it gradually builds up, the reality of, of Clay Thompson compared to other star names out there that you might be bringing back, like let's say Brooklyn brought Kyrie back into the fold at some point. Uh, that's very good for Brooklyn, but it's still like, okay, you got to shift around the offense. You got to hand him the ball for several possessions per game. It kind of, it changes a lot of the calculus with the Warriors. You plug Clay Thompson into any team. Like he's such an off ball guy. I mean, the guy who legendarily scored 60 points on 11 dribbles, like you just plug him right in. He's going to play defense. He's going to spread the floor. Even if he's not shooting, he's, disrupting the defense because hey clay thompson's on that wing you better stick on that wing um that is it is kind of a scary calculus for the league if clay thompson is uh even shades of himself early on and it sounds like he'll be a little bit even better than shades of himself what's crazy is last year the words they were inconsistent with kelly Oubre starting kelly Oubre winds up uh getting hurt and his last start was like April 10th or something like that. So the last month or so, they start in Kent Bazemore. Jordan Poole is coming off the bench. They were the number one defense then from that point to the end of the season. They should have made the playoffs with that. They messed up the plan, whatever. Um, Kent Bazemore obviously moved on. Now Clay's going to take that starting lineup and Poole's going to go back to being a really damn good six man, a guy who is just. You know, he does so much on the ball, you know, um, and that fits perfectly into what a lot of teams think of when they think of like, you know, high usage six men. And now you got this guy, Clay, who 
I'm telling you, ACL and Achilles is tough. I watched Demarcus Cousins uh, try and play from that. And Demarcus, I'm just glad that he got himself another deal. You know, um, he's going to be with the Bucks. It's so I'm very interested to see if Clay really is that guy who can move even for 25 minutes a game on both ends of the floor, like he like he did to make him so special. But I mean, look, the I felt like the big thing with Golden State is their continuity is special. They have four guys who were on the team five years ago. There's plenty of NBA teams who can't say that they have one guy who was on their team five years ago, uh, or only have one or two guys. They've got the Warriors have Clay. Steph, Draymond Green, Kavon Looney. And if you want to count Andre Iguodala, and I don't because he left and came back, but you could count Andre. That is what makes that team special. So, I mean, you're dropping Clay into a role where it's like you have Andrew Wiggins, who is basically you forget about him. And he's just so, been so good um, in his role. Steph, Draymond, they know what they're supposed to do. Kavon, he knows what he's supposed to do. You have just a bunch of guys who have institutional knowledge about what the heck they're supposed to do. If Clay's role is simply just be Clay, that's, yes, that does sound scary. I want to see how much he can play, how consistent he can be. And then I'll go from there as far as my excitement level there. No, those are all good points, Ola. I mean, you talk about just the collective experience and and the, the personality of teams. The Warriors have got it all over everybody in the league right now as far as that continuity and 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 the experience. So um, great stuff, gentlemen. Fittingly, Slater and I are now going to get ready for Warriors practice here in L.A. And, and go connect with that group yet again. It's like the old days, Slater. I'm, you know, you're going to have national dudes around you and, and national crew just chasing and, and fans. And you're probably going to have to Phoenix. take a few selfies along the way because you're, you're a celebrity in your own right. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> Phoenix is going to thump them twice this week and quiet. I know. And tampering next week. <laughs> no warriors next week on tampering. Yeah. Good luck with that. All right. Law. Appreciate you, man. It was fantastic seeing you out here. Keep up the good work. Everybody make sure they read Law's stuff. Uh, I, I got to say as, as a, Quick tip of the hat, Law. It was fun watching games next to you because, I mean, I know that your job inherent, like, you got to watch the game. Beat writers got to know their team. Slater, like, Law watches the game. You know what I mean? Like, really, really watches the game. And, and I didn't admit this at the time. He caught me a few times when, when he'd kind of lean over and give me an observation. And then I, I would look at my computer screen and I was getting distracted, like, you know, jumping on Amazon or something. And Law is like, oh, did you see what they just did here? Like, all right, I got to lock in. Law, Law, Law is good at his job. And so go read his stuff. <laughs> I literally bought a Christmas present while I was sitting next to law for my wife. And then I was like, yeah, maybe watch the game, Sam. Let's, let's do, let's do what we do. So appreciate you, man. Great seeing your face. Great hanging with you a bit. And uh, Slater, more Warriors talk next week. Get ready, buddy. Hey, great <laughs> to see you guys in, in the, in the city of Angel. Until next time. Be good guys. <laughs>